John, I actually shipped this week. Shipping. Let's dance. You must be happy. I, I was doing my happy dance. What I was just saying is like, you know, what's really important, the reason why we ship so, so we can get to the happy dance, the reason why we fix bugs is to get to the happy dance. The reason really why we do anything in life that's worthy of, of, of celebration is so that we can get to the celebration. No? Yeah, well, the celebration lasted about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we that, that follows a similar theme, I think, in your life, no? I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're getting at there. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I've um on Sunday, late Sunday night, I put ReviewCast uh, live at ReviewCast.io. Um, this has been my sort of um, uh, my two-week project. Uh, uh, if you've been listening to the Software Indie podcast, I said I, I put myself a project where I had to spend no more than two weeks of um, actual time as opposed to elapsed time it's taken longer than two weeks of elapsed time so two weeks of development time into a project and get it out there and ship um partly to get some focus to learn some skills to learn how to uh not get stuck down in the detail too much i didn't quite make it i reckon i probably spent two and a quarter two and a half weeks it depends on what your week is i probably spent about 100 hours so if you're 40 hour a week that's two and a half weeks mm-hmm. isn't it let's, yeah. let's, let's let's be Straight. So on, on the Sunday night, I um, released it. And then on a Monday morning, I just sent out an email to, to not that many people, just some old comment cast users and a few just a few people here and there said, hey, it's there. And you know, I'd been doing a load of stuff. And everyone says, oh, congratulations. I'll go try that right now. And uh, off they did. They went and tried it. And um, I'd say about 10 minutes after people started trying it, it started um, not crashing or anything, but it would just always return no reviews. But I, I, I guess I better explain. Reviewcast is you go and um, find an app or a podcast or an ebook that's on the um, App Store or iTunes, and it will email you the last twenty five reviews from no matter where they are in the world. In other words, it's it's supposed to save you having to go through all however many hundreds or tens of iTunes stores there are to see all the different reviews. Uh, I think we've spoken about on the show. Uh, but of course, everyone was going to say, well, it's got no reviews, but iTunes is showing me reviews. And for some reason, it was no reviews. And then there was this desperate, you know, panicking of recoding and redoing stuff and <laughs> all sorts. Of, and then um, it didn't take that long, but uh, it was sort of like one of those frantic bits and then recoding again last night and putting a new version back out and uh, I think it's now working again but it's it's one of these um it's one of these songs where I think I was probably there are no terms and conditions on the usage of the RSS feeds that come out of Apple mm-hmm. but I suspect I was being blocked for you know a sudden surge of sort of 40 or 50 people or you know, all hitting that at the same time through my one app. And um, so I've done some circumnavigation, shall we say, but uh, we'll see what happens now. But anyway, it's out there again if people want to go try it. But it was a, um, I just want to recommend to people the process. I'll talk about more about this on my Software Indie podcast, but, you know, the process of doing something in a very short space of time to keep yourself focused, to keep yourself on the, um, 
yeah, on track, to have to make fast decisions, to to not be able to procrastinate too much. Although, as I said last week, I was procrastinating about deployment so much, I just rewrote the app instead. Um, and funnily enough, it was part of that rewrite that caused some of my problems yesterday, I think. Uh, but anyway, it's now out there um, and it's going. But I, I, in doing so, I have to say I learned far more about um, Linux and uh, Linux configuration than I ever thought I would, um, which I guess one day will stand me in decent stead. But uh, yeah, I'd say probably the deployment took me oh, 20 hours, about 100 hours, whereas if I'd been a sysadmin, it might have been sort of 20 minutes. Mm. And so, again, the reason why you decided to do this is because you, you wanted from the very beginning to have kind of a fixed cost, right? So you figured out how to provision your own VMs on... on, on you, these are like what, ECS uh, instances on, on, on Amazon's cloud, right? Well, no, they're not, actually. I didn't go for um, ECS in the end or EC2 or whatever we're supposed right, to call right, it these sorry, days. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I looked at all different things. I looked at the Heroku and a few of the Heroku sort of, um, uh, clones. I don't know if they're clones. I don't know if that's fair. Maybe some of them were first, but Heroku is the main one known in the business. I did a lot of reviews on EC2 and, you know, EC2 creates a lot of flexibility that you can spin servers up really quickly just for an hour and spin them back down again. Um, and that's great for if you know suddenly you get fireballed and things are struggling and you want to to throw um, you know an extra ten servers in the mix just for ten minutes or twenty minutes or an hour and and not pay for them all the time. And I did really seriously consider that. However, th there's quite a big penalty to that in the fact that um, in comparison, you know, let's say you're running a standard EC2 instance or a smaller or medium. I I'm giving. Uh, I'm using a point here as opposed to actual numbers, so please don't email me and say, no, the actual cost of this instance is this, because I, I know I'm getting this wrong, I'm trying to make a point. Um, in comparison for what you get for running an instance of EC2 for the entire month, compared to running an instance um, on somewhere like a Linode, or Linode, however you want to pronounce it, uh, the performance you're going to get from your $20 a month instance, or $30 a month instance, when you're on your dedicated VPS in Linode, is a lot faster than... Um, EC2. The EC2 instances are not known for their power. Um, they're known for their flexibility. Um, and I sort of sat there and, and possibly wrongly made the sort of conclusion, you know, this is a side project. It's a side app. I am not going to be sat here 24 hours a day monitoring what's it's, what it's doing. So the chances of me being sat at a terminal uh, ready to spin up an EC2 instance in you know a couple of minutes because the load is up is actually slim. I'm probably not going to know until you know three hours later when someone emails me and says, "Do you know that it's been down for three hours yeah. or, or whatever else?" is more likely my scenario. Um, and so I decided to, to to not go that route and just to go with a um, a more standard route, but making it possible to to scale easily as i go forward so, so for example it's currently uh, even though it's a brand new app it's in a three server configuration um so right now there's a database server that runs the database um i put the database on its own server just by itself initially i was using um uh, uh one of the NoSQL databases mongo uh but then in the rewrite moved back to postgres just for it was more to do with familiarity comfortableness supporting this thing on a server you know, I didn't want too many variables. So I've got Postgres on a server by itself. That server can now scale up as I need it to because the database is most likely to stay on one server. 
Um, then there's the application server that's serving the application and doing a, um, all the sort of rail stuff and whatever else. And then this is the one where I sort of made my decision. And then in front of that, even though I've only got one, one server at the moment, I've got a load balancer. Um, and what that's going to allow me to do is to bring up other servers behind the load balancer uh, whenever I need to uh, without having to change any DNS or get other stuff. So that does give me the flexibility to add servers as I go without changing any configuration as far as the public concerned or DNS is concerned or any of that stuff, meaning that I can, you know, not in not in a couple of minutes, but literally with the scripts I wrote while setting this up, I can have a new server up and running in probably 15, 20 minutes if I want to. Um, to, to just start distributing extra load and whatever else at the time when ReviewCast becomes massively popular, as I'm sure it will do. So um, learning all that stuff was quite good fun, but quite frustrating. But uh, so, yes, yeah, so I'm on the node. Each of those are on reasonably small instances. So it's probably going to cost me at the moment in the smallest configuration, 60 bucks, 70 bucks a month. Plus, I'm using a couple of outside services. I'm dist distributing some of the work to outside services for a whole bunch of technical reasons as opposed to load reasons. So I reckon the whole thing is probably, in its most basic configuration, going to cost me about a hundred bucks a month, which I know in comparison to um, setting up, uh, you know, a a sort of dream host account to run Rails that you know four bucks a month or something it, it is a lot. But I think you know I've got a, a platform that I can scale there, and for that hundred bucks a month, it's probably going to be quite a long time until I actually do need to scale. So yeah, that, that was a very long waffly way of saying no. I didn't use Easy Two. I set up my own. Uh, Linux Ubuntu um, uh, setup, and um, know quite a lot more more about it now than I did uh, last week. Well, that's good. I mean, I mean, people are probably wondering why are you talking about this because you're supposed to be an iOS and Mac developer podcast. But the reality is, is that you, know, you really can't make much interesting software that doesn't have some type of back end. And you know, it's a very valid you know approach to be able to say if, if, if for, for the reasons you outlined it. To learn how to do some of it, even if you decide down the line that that you're going to outsource the administration to someone else or some other service will come along, I, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. You know, there's another person who's kind of similar age to me, who's who's been developing software since the dark ages, and and you know he, he works at Oracle and he's talking about how they have a team inside Oracle where they they can kind of use whatever techniques they want, all the the shiny new stuff that that the kids are using today. And he says it is great because you can build things very, very quickly. And he says, on the other hand, that the software development process is just like slapping things together. Nobody really understands how anything works. And I think you've proven, or at least you've demonstrated, that there is some value to understanding how things work. Because if for no other reason that if you find yourself where you do need to scale things, you can make better better decisions, right? You can you can weigh the different options of, of you know, free is good if you're just getting started, but how quickly might you get to the point where you're getting burned, where where the costs are rising faster than you can scale revenue. So so very quickly on revenue, so you you talked about uh, doing sponsorship, right? So is, how is that going? Uh, it's not because I've not even, uh, I've had a few people inquire, uh, um, but I've not followed that up. It's been about getting it out, finding out if anybody actually wants the service and, and doing that sort of thing, first of all. I mean, I do have planned for there being some sort of paid accounts and a whole bunch of advanced stuff and some advanced features later on. But this is really just starting to get a, you know, a, um, what I'm calling a limited free service out there um, in, in C. And if no one ever uses it, then I'm not going to push this any further to sort of, you know, spend another three months, you know, developing a whole sort of payment system in, in whatever else. But if it becomes um, reasonably popular and we begin to get sort of lots of emails saying, oh, could it do this and could it do that? And there's an interest in people, you know, getting more from it, then um, 
uh, you know, that's uh, that that was part of the point of doing the two week process is to get something out there and find out if anybody gives a damn, um, as opposed to spend a year developing something to find out nobody actually wants it. Right. I mean, there are other services that do this sort of thing; they do it in a different way. Um, so yeah, it's not like it, it's unique. Uh, but so the sponsorship was just a sort of well, let's just stick this on there and see if anybody's even interested. Um, and a few people have been interested, but to be quite honest, those people who've been interested, they are people I know well, and I suspect that they're interested because it's me as opposed to because it's a service, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that that's not necessarily at this stage a a fair reflection on whether anyone's going to... And, and actually, from a sponsorship point of view, um, you know, I've created something that's really hard to sponsor because who's the market here? Right. Um, you know... It's it's wider. I mean, some people say this is is a developer. Well, I can get all of these reviews inside um, my whatever ever system accounts. You can get it in iTunes Connect, but you've got to go to all the different stores. But there are other third party services that do it. And my response is, yeah, but I'm not necessarily talking to you as a developer. What about you know? I live in the UK, so often you know an app doesn't have a huge market in the UK, but it might have a huge market in the US. But when I go into iTunes and I go into the iTunes store. Um, yeah, I don't know if people are aware of this, I only see the reviews from people who've purchased it in the UK. And if I want to see the reviews from someone who's purchased it in the US or wherever else, I have to go and change store and go into that store and see their reviews just in the same way. So when I'm looking at a new app uh, that I want to purchase or, or want to, to buy, it's just as much for me to go to ReviewCast and just say, okay, here's the app, yep, select that, send me that. And then I can see the last 25 reviews from anywhere in the world without having to just see the one that might happen to be in the UK store. So that's now an app users. So maybe it's a place where people could promote their app. Um, equally, it does podcasts. We can look up the reviews for this podcast. Not that there's been any recently. Come on, folks, get on with it. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, or, or ebooks. So it's I've created something that doesn't have a direct sponsorship market. So maybe sponsorship is is a complete joke. Um and, but I can review that as, as time goes on. And I think there is a market for people who might want this service for their own stuff, like developers and whatever else that could turn into a paid service as well. But that, that's yeah, that's what I'm looking at. And if at the end of the day that doesn't work out, I've wasted two weeks of effort as opposed to a year of effort. And to me, that's a better way of bringing a product to market um, than spending a year as a developer and then trying to find out if somebody wants it and, that, and that's the main reason i did it it was to try and get this mindset in myself is get it out the door see what happens get it out the door see what happens get it out the door see what happens so um yeah it's it's cool um i say if it doesn't make any money at all or no one wants to sponsor it then it's going to cost me about 1200 bucks a year but in the scheme of things that's not the end of the world uh, but of course if no one's interested at all then it, i'm I may not keep it so i have that option as well so there we are there you there are we are so right john Sorry, you were about to say something. I was about to say something. Now I realized that there was something that was worth briefly mentioning, and that was the release of paper yesterday by Facebook, which is the latest, you know, design goodness from Mike Mattis and, and company, and uh, also kind of uh, it's the new new Corellia, I suppose. You know, what do you do when Facebook releases an app with the exact same name as your app, and then you you kind of publicly call on them on it, and they say, well, no, sorry, tough noogies. Yeah, no, to be honest, because of yesterday I was sort of trying to keep <laughs> review cast up, I missed this. Um, but I did pick up a blog post in my feeds, uh, actually just before we came, well, we didn't go on air, just before me and you started recording, um, 
uh, I think from Brent Simmons, because he'd made some comments yesterday and then was withdrawing those comments. But apparently there was a whole bunch of complaints that, you know, this Xcode couldn't cope with paper and it was too big and they've got a hundred projects in a workspace and they're doing some stuff to sort of replace UIKit or override UIKit. So we all, yeah, and, and I'm talking just from having seen mm. this one post. So was was there a whole big taboo about this? I, I didn't it, see you know, anything what's, about this. What's the story, John? Well, I mean, so basically Facebook released an app, which is, I mean, I had a quick look at it. The the first run experience is spectacular. The, the user interaction is spectacular. It's just everything you would expect if you, you know, if you at all paid attention to, to Mike Mattis's work. I mean, especially kind of the, the push pop press stuff when it disappeared from the world. People were kind of sad because it looked really good. Well, okay, it's come back now, and so that there's one aspect of it. The second thing is that it, it's you know Facebook has has always had you know been dinged, I suppose, a bit for for not having really a great mobile apps. I mean, their first mobile app on Facebook, but you know, Facebook app for for iPhone was pretty crappy. It was you know, and then they switched. Well, it wasn't you know it wasn't it was very popular and it had it begat that that enormous framework that people were using then abandoned. And then they said no, we're going to go to HTML and then. Then they saw the the popularity of apps like Instagram. They bought it, blah blah blah. So everybody was expecting, you know, when when they acquired all this design talent, like when they acquired uh, Sofa and, and and company, you know, where they going to start building great mobile apps. So so out comes this app, and it's it, it raises the bar, and and unto itself, you know, if if you if you you know, like Facebook for certain aspects of it, but don't enjoy the kind of endless feed and crap that's in your your news feed. This is for you. I mean, they in many ways kind of replicate a lot of what uh, you know Flipbook uh, Flipboard does, except for they have a much smaller selection of, of 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 news feeds and stuff like that. But they have that approach, saying, "Look, you you want to go find out stuff that's important to you, which is going to be a mixture of things from people you know and follow, and you want to see what they are up to, as well as beautifully presented." You know, news from from the New York Times or Time Magazine or various tech blogs and so on and so forth. So they 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 really made something beautiful. And then they also released uh, a a Quartz uh, Composer plugin um, called Origami, which helps with they which they developed and they said to they used it because they wanted to be able to do this type of interaction design and see it uh, very very quickly and, and experiment with different things. So that, that's they did all these things which kind of fall into the positive col- column for having done something. But the fact that they call it paper when there already is, you know, a, a well-known, well-respected, you know, just award-winning app from from a company called oh gosh, 53 I think their name is is called. Um, there were a bunch of ex Microsoft folks who had developed something beautiful, and and at Microsoft Research, Microsoft never did anything. It they left. They released this app for for iPad, which is this texture based drawing program that's just stunningly beautiful. That totally raised the bar, and it's called Paper. And it turns out that they had had registered the trademark Paper by fifty three, and so Facebook said, "Well, sorry, you didn't register the trademark Paper. You registered the trademark Paper by fifty three. So you know they are basically." They they got screwed a bit, um, so be careful. Somebody's going to come along, and Facebook's going to release ReviewCast, and you're going to be very sad. Yeah, I mean, this is an issue. Does um, I've been for different reasons, which I can't talk about right now, but I will talk about it some other time. I've been looking at some trademark stuff this week, and you know, it's you have to say for people of uh businesses of our size i won't say people of our size john because we're different sizes uh, but for um you know business of our size you know, you have to argue that you know is there even any point trying to protect yourself with this stuff because 
you know, people can find a loophole, they can walk all over it, and then it's your job to defend it. And you know, it's you know, it might cost you you know a hundred bucks or hundred and fifty bucks or whatever it is to register a trademark, but you know, it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands to defend it. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody like, especially like a Facebook comes along, so I is there really a point? I don't know. I mean, maybe we need to do a show on that sometime, get someone in who knows this stuff and, you know, ask if, if you know, what is a sensible limit for someone like us, us to do? Because, um, that's, uh, you know, uh, an interesting one, but it's good to see Facebook doing something good with mobile. I mean, the, um, uh, I think the, the framework you were referring to was that the, um, uh, what's it called? The 320 framework. Yes. Um, yeah, it was, but it's interesting about that one. Um, Joe Hewitt, that's the who guy, was yeah. the developer of the original Facebook app and the developer of uh, the, the three twenty framework. He was on the Debug podcast recently, um, and he was just saying how he just he just you know um, looks back on that now as a nightmare because you know he was just doing a whole bunch of stuff and mixed in, and he just threw it up on GitHub, and he wasn't really expecting it to go anywhere, and then suddenly everybody was using it and. You know, it wasn't really prepared for public consumption. It was just a sharing of code. And we were talking last right. week about stewardship, weren't we? And he really basically wasn't really in a, thinking about stewarding it or anything like that. And and uh, so that was a good example of um, sometime putting your code out there isn't the best idea unless you've prepared it for the community because you're going to get slaughtered when you do. <laughs> yeah, but see, you know, that's the thing. That, you know, not to keep you know beating a dead horse, but that's the thing. I mean, you know, when when software development just means doing the minimum search to find some, you know, pull on some thread that seems to, you know, belong to a framework that solves your problem, then you know, having all the overhead, not understanding how stuff works, and and you, software development is more than just slapping pieces together. So you know. Shame on 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 Hewitt. Meh, not really necessary if if he put it up there. Shame on the people who who don't know better. So anyway, well, I've just used ReviewCast to take a look at the paper by Facebook um, reviews, and they're doing fairly well, yeah. mainly four and five stars. Yeah. So people seem to like it. Well done to them. Right, let's talk about something else that people really like, John. Briefs, Briefs. from our friends at Martian Craft, sponsoring the show once again this week. Um, Briefs is an application that allows you and your designer to to mock up your um, iOS app, um, but not just with the visuals, but with the the way it feels, the way it acts. So you build your screens, you put your buttons, you put your controls that you want to do on, you put your design in, and then you can actually take that and deploy those designs to a device. And then on the device, you can um, you know press the buttons and get the feel for how it's going to you know go and what the navigation's like and what the workflow is like and so instead of just having to make your judgments of something works just off a you know some 2d um uh drawings and in, in where you're making your best guess you can put it in your hand equally you can put it in your client's hand and say look this is what it's going to feel like this is what it's going to look like um you know is that good and catch some of those um errors early and so you really you know you really need to go and give a play with this um there's videos on the website you can download a trial um the app on the Mac costs 199 bucks, which I've said before is is a really reasonable price for a developer tool, and I'm glad that these guys are charging proper prices for their software because I know how much work they put into it. Um, I believe the iPhone or the iOS um, app that it deploys to is free, but it's useless without briefs, so why not be free? Um, and so if you work for doing client work or you're working on a project where you've got to... Um, you know, get this stuff in people's hands and or, or people have got to approve your designs yeah this could save you a fortune at the end of the day because actually you know, having a user pick up or your boss pick up or the client pick up the fact that 
yeah, yeah, that doesn't quite feel right when it's still just um, drawings is a lot cheaper than after you've coded it all. Um, so uh, please go check it out, giveabrief.com. Product's called Briefs. It's my friends at Martian Craft. Um, thanks for sponsoring the show, guys. Really do appreciate it. And um, we hope people come and check out your product. Ah, right, John. Scotty. Uh, um, another thing I tried for the... Um, the review cast project. Sorry, this isn't supposed to be the review cast show, but this is just something. Is I I tried to use. I've used it on projects where there's been lots of other people, but I decided to use it for myself. Is to use Gitflow. Uh, the Gitflow method for uh, developing the project by myself. In fact, I used a Git plugin called Hubflow, um, which is designed to give you extra Git commands. Um, that understand Gitflow, but equally it works with GitHub, so it automatically does things like put your new feature branches onto GitHub for you, deletes them from um, GitHub, issues the um, pull request, although obviously by myself a pull request is a little bit silly to put a pull request and then prove it, so actually I've been doing, uh, skipping that stage and doing uh, the merges locally in, in one of us and let that deal with it. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's felt like, yeah, well, is there really any point going to all this effort when it's just me? Um, and, and, and I was to and fro about it because actually I could do something a little bit simpler. But, you know, but I think it, it was working great. But then yesterday when everything went wrong and people were um, sending in emails, anything from typos on the website to, um, uh, you know, saying this isn't working or that's not working, having a system that I could stick to rigidly and know that I wasn't going to break everything else I wasn't going to screw everything else up I wasn't going to have this development stuff come in that shouldn't be in there yet that's when it really paid off and that in that crunch moment um suddenly I could just do hot fixes on the main branch and not worry about the stuff I'd started the night before that was for 1.1 and all this um and all this stuff and and it, it it's really sort of made not that it didn't make sense before but I could really see its value and I guess that's what it is with most of these things I mean it's the same with unit testing I guess as well that it's only when you're a bit further down the line it's only when you're in a position that things are tight or you actually just need to make sure that right now everything is done really properly because this is the time when you could really screw the whole thing up that these sort of processes grab their own and uh, so I, I I will now stick with that because you know it's proven proven itself fortunately for me very very quickly I don't know. Do you use any any processes, John, or are you a bit more loose? I mean, you work as part of a team. Yeah, so, so we're we, yeah we're <clears throat> we do use GitHub and 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 get pretty pretty well and and issues and and pull requests and and um and and we love it and uh pull requests are particularly you know important when when you're at the you know when you're talking about making a small change to something and you want to force to make sure that everybody's looking very, very carefully at it. You know, when you're in, in a mainline development of stuff, we don't do pull requests. We, we do our own merges. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, this, I don't have anything beyond to, to say which, what you've already said, trial by fire, it works. Meaning that, that you know, don't, don't, don't wait until after you've had a problem to decide that it's worth doing it. Be happy that you did it when you do get to the problem. Well, this is the point, isn't it? Because the reality is, I could have, yeah, this project was so small, I could have maintained it any way I liked. I could have just, I could have just done everything on the master branch without even doing anything, and, and probably been fine. Um, there's not a huge amount of code involved in it, but it was just, yeah, it was. What really struck me is this: in that moment of crisis, having a set of procedures really paid off because it meant that no matter how 
desperate I was to get something deployed, no matter how quick I wanted to get something fixed, my, my own workflow made sure that I did it properly. Um, it didn't take a huge amount of time, but it made sure I did it properly. And that stopped several mistakes, actually, um, of rushing out there. And it was it was really, really cool. It was really cool. I mean, yeah, it, these days, I think almost everybody is using um, source control. I know I know it wasn't that many years ago where solo developers just didn't even use source control. Um, at best, they might use zip files of the last version before they, yeah. they started on this. Whereas I would, would be surprised if there's that many solo developers out there not doing uh, some sort of source control, but I don't know how many people are using methodologies. Is it a methodology? No, it's a workflow, isn't it? A methodology is, is too too formal. Um, a workflow for this. Maybe we need to, to sort of uh, ask some people sometime, but uh, there we are. Well, uh, that's about all I've got to speak about this week, John. Have you got anything else you'd like to speak I, about, or uh, are we done? No, I, well, one last thing. It's just reminding me where I'm on the topic. You know, I remember uh, when I was just, when I was learning how to do things, I did keep a, a development log. And it, this was, you know, before you had on source control and certainly before you had online things. But I just, it was just a stupid little RTF file that at the end of the day, I would, I would, in couple bullet points, type out kind of what I got done and mostly what I learned and what was challenging me. And I found it very, very useful. It's like one of those things where there is something really therapeutic to writing something. It really does kind of, uh, at the end of the day, end of a session, kind of crystallize what you, you've done. And if nothing else, it, it's <laughs> it's entertaining slash horrifying to read a couple of years later because you can then feel confident that you've really gotten a lot better and you can laugh at yourself for having, you know, got wrapped around the axle or from stuff that's very simple. But if you are, are brand new developers out there listening to us, do that little favor for yourself. Just make a little developer log. Keep it with your project. Very simple thing. My tip of the day. That's cool, John. I don't do that. Maybe I should. Oh, see, I'm not that disciplined. But see, you should. I mean, especially uh, if you're doing something new because you're doing sysadmin stuff. Just the thing kind of this is what you learned. This is what you tried. Very, very helpful. That's true. I've written down every single command that I need to use to reconfigure a server if I ever need to do it manually again. Yeah. So maybe that is a log. Yeah, yeah. Just a little cheat sheet for yourself. Yeah, I've no idea where I've put it, but I did write it down. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> okay, John. Well, I mean, just to pick up on one thing here, um, we've not spoken about this formally, but you know, you said we're an iOS and um, um, uh, Mac podcast, and, and we will be by the very fact that that's what we do with a lot of our time, but you know, I, I, this is the show where we're just going to chat about what we're doing and what we've come across this week and if that's off in some other place that that's cool it's just a developer show um of general stuff that interests us as developers um i know some people would like us to be a tech show again but you know the the, the reality is i mean we will do occasional stuff on that but um yeah i think the reality is there is so much stuff on the internet now there are so many other podcasts and interview people um you know, we're just going to, for, for, for the foreseeable future, anyway, just chat about whatever it is. And if that happens to be Ruby, it'll be Ruby this week. And if it happens to be, you know, customer acquisition that you're doing with Findery or whatever, that's that's what we're going to do. So hopefully people will stay chilled with that. Um, if you love that and you like that idea, please go give us a um, a review on iTunes because then I can see it come up in ReviewCast. Yay! Um, <laughs> Um, and if you really don't like that, don't give us a review on iTunes. Um, send me an email, scotty because we don't want that yeah, in the reviews. We, we no, no, no. We, we love good reviews, and we even enjoy hate mail. 
Okay, so John, what's the uh, just just to get every developer out there really pissed off? What's the podcast equivalent of the uh, the UI alert view? Please review this app. <laughs> I don't know. This is you've just been doing it. It's the review bag. <laughs> oh no, no no that was far too that was far too. Hey, I'll do one. I know you're doing something else right now, but why don't you stop and go review our podcast? Because we know you want to, and we're very lovely. Please do that. Thank you f- for allowing us to really screw up your day. Bye-bye. <laughs> How was that? That was very good. That was, that was artful, Scotty. <laughs> Dear. John, tell people where they can find you this week, or any week. Any week, you can find me on on twitter as jembe that's d-j-e-m-b-e like the west african drum you can find out all about my product memory miner at memoryminer.com and my recent work on findery at findery.com excellent my name is scotty and you can find me on uh, twitter as macdevnet you can uh, find me on ADN as Scotty. You can find the show notes with all the links of anything we've spoken about today for this show at iDeveloper.co. Um, as we don't say at the start of the show anymore, you might want to know that this is the iDeveloper podcast and it's episode 104. Thank you very much for listening. Um, until next time, you take care. <laughs> Thank you.